This podcast, The Two Mats, is sponsored as ever by the New European Newspaper. And we've got a very special subscription offer for you, a new one, where you can get a free bollocks to Brexit passport cover. That's right, you heard that right, folks. It's a burgundy, like vegan leather, beautifully designed passport cover. Pleather. To, to have pleather, that's what, that's what they call it, isn't it? Pleather. To hide your um, new British blue. The shame of the, the blue shame, The shame passport. of the blue passport. And you can get your free bollocks to Brexit passport cover free with a subscription to the New European from just £1 a week. So to take this fantastic offer, and trust me, if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love the New European, go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, and there's a link in the show notes. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porritt. I'm joined this week because there is no Steve and there is no Jerry and basically it's half term and there is nobody else. But it's always a pleasure to have Neil Perry on the show, broadcaster and journalist. Neil, how are you doing? Well, I was doing really well until that fantastic <laughs> introduction, which was, <laughs> which was the most damning praise I think I've ever been given. Last time you were on, because you are a friend of the pod now, of course. A friend of the pod? Yeah. Um, I think I did a similar thing. Basically, we couldn't find anyone else, so I grabbed Neil on my way to the studio. <laughs> You're very welcome. I'll, I'll, I'll try to live up to your lofty expectations. We always have a good time, Neil, when you're on, and the listeners always say, please bring Neil back. Is this when you listen back to the podcast, thus becoming a listener, <laughs> and then email yourself saying, bring back Neil, because he's readily available? Yes, I think it was probably something along those lines. So we need to talk, firstly, we'll, we'll do a bit of news. Because we need to talk about Boris. We do. And lots of other things as well. And then we will crown a Brexiteer of the week. You will help me with. With pleasure. But although Steve isn't actually physically here, by the magic of the fact that we did a little pre-record earlier in the week, he will be here uh, reading out some of the things that you guys have sent us about what you're going to be doing um, at 11pm on March the 29th, 2019, which is Brexit Day. Well, I will remain carefully on the edge of my seat until yeah. Steve appears. What, will, what are you, what are you going to do well, on that day, or yeah. until until Steve appears? I, I, to be honest, I have I have not planned it. Be, Eleven o'clock's late for me. I'll probably be asleep. Eleven o'clock. What what to do? I, I I don't know. I'll probably be wishing I was asleep, having got two <laughs> small children. That's generally the state I'm in. That's my default state. Yes. Wishing I had more sleep. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, let's talk about Boris because. 
he he did a speech at the Pulse Exchange this week. It was much anticipated. Now, have we got a title for this speech yet? Because all the big speeches end up having a title. I do have one. If I Go may on, make so bold, yeah. I think it should be the carrot and clarity yes. speech. <laughs> it was an odd thing, wasn't it? Of course, the carrot didn't enter the fray until the questions afterwards. No, I believe, but. Um, it was a. I mean, I was very looking forward to this. I do like a Boris speech. I've sat through plenty at conference, and they are generally good fun, whether you agree with what he's saying or not. But this one, and I know from people close to Boris that this this one was still very much being drafted and redrafted, uh, sort of midnight the night before. He drafts his speech. Oh, I, I thought he just stood up there and made it up as he went along. Did, well, well, that's kind of what he's trying to portray. That's his I, charm. That's his I think charm. that kind of came a bit unstuck. So we were, we were promised that this would be delivered on Valentine's Day, of course, that this would bring the Remainers and the Leavers together. An optimistic... Very optimistic, yes, and I'm not sure anyone really, really truly believed that would happen, but at least add a bit of optimism to, to Brexit. Not really sure that he achieved that. I think... Um, I mean, some, some Brexiteers said that they were happy that there was a, there was a positive case being put out there, um, and uh, uh, sort of that Britain would be welcoming still to the world outside the EU. But, uh, I mean, it just seemed to bumble along a bit and there wasn't really... I mean, we weren't promised any policy, but I think we sort of were hoping for some. And it didn't... It seemed to be just like a chap chatting about Brexit not very coherently. Well, there were a few things that jumped out at me. There, the, the num- there was a, a reliance on the word might, as in we might decide <laughs> this, we might do this, we might do that. Uh, we might all uh, we might quit Eurovision in a, in a, in a fit of pique, which... Yeah, we uh, might get hit by a meteor. Exactly. Um, other things, he says there have not been enough speeches about Brexit. That was one thing he said. Maybe there have not that. been enough, which I thought was in. He said there was. I been, think there's been one too many now, frankly. And um, also, um, he said there was also an abundance of clarity about Brexit so far, relating to, to other speeches. Now, if, yeah. if I may offer the dictionary definition of the word <laughs> abundance, the yes, situation in which there is more than enough of something. Examples: there was an abundance of food at the wedding. Uh, we had wine in abundance, um, which. Well, it would be nice for this podcast if we did have wine in abundance and an abundance of food to sort of see us through. Yeah. But do you feel there has been an abundance of clarity? Do you think that fits in with the definition? I don't think that either side, um, apart from the really hard, head-bangy Brexiteers, would suggest that there's been any clarity. But believe it or not, I do have lots of Brexiteer friends who made a decision based on, on what they you know, believed, and some of them continue to hold those beliefs. But they... When we talk about Brexit, frankly, I try not to when I'm in the pub, but when we do, <laughs> they're also saying that they're frustrated with the lack of clarity and the lack of understanding from the public of what is actually going on. Now, the government might well say, well, we can't just tell you everything because we're in the middle of a negotiation, and I've got some sympathy towards that. But business as well are saying it. And I think when, when the guy in the pub's saying it, that's one thing. When business are also saying there's a lack of clarity, then then that's a problem. And there certainly was no clarity from Boris's speech. Well, it's it's a damned again, and I've I've said this many times. Whenever I've I've, I've come in to join you, it, it's a damned if you do and you're damned if you don't situation. Yeah. If you make too many speeches about Brexit, people are saying you're making too many, but there's not enough detail. If you're not making enough, as Boris said himself, people feel like they're being ignored and they're not being included. If you put too much clarity now. 
people are going to say, well, we're giving all our secrets away. Yeah, How yeah, can you go yeah. into a negotiation if you've published no, everything beforehand? As I said, I'm sympathetic it's, to that. It's very, very difficult. I'm not sure they've quite done enough to land in the middle ground of those two issues, probably. Um, I think uh, the, the stuff that was in there, I mean, there was a, there was a sort of bit of a, a, a kick at, at Hammond, possibly. This this wish list for, for divergence. He caught, we talked about fishing our own fish and banning live animal exports. Cut VAT on fu- on fuel and other products. Um, swimming pools for newts as well. Swimming that came pools up. for newts. I mean, you know, Ken Livingston, former foe of Boris Johnson, will um, will be all will be all in for that. Um, but obviously, this divergence is an issue, and Boris is on one side, and there are certainly cabinet colleagues who are very much on the other. So I'm not sure how well that would have gone down. Hammond will get to make a little speech. Of course, he wasn't at first. Uh, pending to make one, but he is now going to speak in this run of speeches. Oh, well, why do you think he's suddenly been added to that list? Do you think that think was he a probably went round to his next door neighbours, knocked on the door, and said, uh, "You seem to have left me off the list." Had a little cry, and it'll be interesting when we do get the, that speech to put it against Boris's and, and maybe put it against some of the others and see how much of a, a distance there is between those two factions inside the cabinet. What they should probably do is, is bring the old top-of-the-pop studio back into use again and yeah. have each of the cabinet uh, members on different stages around the studio. And as each one of them starts out, the, you know, the, the journalist crowd can swarm from, from one the side like of the, the crowd other. Did. Yeah. yeah, that's a good idea. And we could have musical interludes. We could. We could. It'd be tremendous fun. OK, I'll get on to the Beeb uh, next on that one. There's other news about, though. I'm just going to throw throw one at you. Jeremy Corbyn and meeting communists on the front of the sun today from back in the 80s. Are you shocked by that? He had two meetings, supposedly, with spies, well, which I, he said they weren't, they weren't spies. I certainly wasn't aware of that. I thought they were diplomats. Well, I can tell you what I'm shocked about, yeah. about that, is that, that if this actually did happen, and it is as written, that it's taken so long for parts of the right-wing media to actually dig out such information. Well, the fact they've taken this long to get well, it. Well, we were promised in the run-up to the election that there was loads of stuff going to come out about Corbyn, about his closeness to certain regimes that some people might not um, be too happy about, and maybe IRA links and stuff, and it just never happened, really. I mean, the, the, we've all seen the pictures of him with Jerry Adams. It didn't seem to um, affect his, his vote particularly. So do, do you think that this is just right-wing press throwing stuff at Corbyn, or do you think it's more damaging than that? To be honest, they could throw whatever they like at him. The people who are supporting him, I don't think there's going to be too many who'd be that disappointed or shocked or would drive people away from him just from seeing that kind of picture. They've chucked an awful lot of things at him over the last, you know, yeah. however many months. Yeah, and yeah. It has much stuck? No, no. He's, I, I mean, the only thing that potentially stuck in the last few weeks is the... Um, is the was the poll saying that voters, if he didn't take a stronger stance on Brexit, would would start to would start to leave? I think that's that's the only thing that could that could cause trouble for Jeremy right now. But tell you what, if you went down to your nearest university campus of your choice and spoke to your uh, Jeremy supporting left leaning yeah. new generation, newly yeah. in, engaged in politics uh, um, group, do they care? I think that they're. I think that they do actually. I think but would they actually be influenced by that picture? Well, would that make is, them kick off? This is the difference. It, I, it is, and I think this is where Jeremy picked up a lot of votes from Remainers last time. Was it? It was 
better than a Tory Brexit. I think that's what I think that's where they will vote. I'd rather, you know, if there's going to have to be a Brexit, I'd rather Jeremy Corbyn was was the Prime Minister than Theresa May or Boris Johnson or Jacob Rees-Mogg. Very true. But um, considering the strength of those pitches, I don't think it's going to register on the list of great political scandals. No, I don't know about me you. neither. But there is, a good, and that's a great piece of linkage there. There is a good and quite funny political scandal. And we didn't emerging. even write that. We did not even no, write that. No, we've literally written nothing. Guido Fawkes website, a great bit of journalism by them, dug out some some tweets that uh, Number 10 Chief of Staff Gavin Barwell had retweeted on earlier on this week, which had questionable content, shall we say. I think that's a very, very kind way of <laughs> describing it. There was an involvement of flesh. Should we just say it was adult of nature? <laughs> very adult. Pornographic, in fact. Quite extreme porn as well. Well, should we, should we leave that there? Because we're, we're, we're not just tiptoeing towards the subject. We, we may as well be painting a picture right now. So let's, let's, let's move on. <laughs> yes. Well, basically, there was... Well, well let's, let's, let's move on, shall we? I thought this was a family podcast. And then in the other one, there was a... Have... With... So we've gone from a little bit adult... To pornographic of nature, to a okay. Let's 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 Listen, move. They were late night tweets. <laughs> they were late night tweets. Well, not that late night. Twenty one minutes past nine. Well, late for me and you, clearly. Yeah, clearly. Uh, um, uh, and it, it, of course, Gavin is the former Croydon Central MP. Lost his seat at the last election. Was immediately uh, parachuted into number ten. And since then, the the word in Westminster has been that he's kind of got a grip on things and people around number 10 are a little bit happier and things are working a little bit smoother than they were with, with Nick and, and Fiona and there's not the they, they could be Kind of like a, a good referee in football, as in they're, they're at their best when you don't really know they're there Yeah, but then accidentally they retweet lots of porn Yeah, referees tend to do that during the <laughs> time don't they? He said he's got 22,000 followers who I imagine were very shocked to see this from Gavin Barbell's account. There have been tweet errors previous where people have said, I was hacked, I was hacked. I've mistweeted. That's yes. a thing. That's um, a thing. The Ian Botham one is particularly funny. Go and check it out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> number 10 source said, Gavin Barwell replied to this tweet, which was in his timeline in error. Not sure how you get something in your timeline in error. He has deleted the reply and regrets the embarrassment this caused. I think there were two retweets, two errors. Mm. How damaging is this for married father of three, Gavin Barwell? Probably quite damaging at home. Yes, I think. Um, but but mm. politically, how, is this just a laugh and it'll go away? Or is this actually serious for, for Theresa May and number 10? I, you'd probably class it as a thoroughly unwelcome distraction from someone who as you say wasn't doing a terrible job yeah um if he wasn't doing such a good job then chances are he would have been um packing his things into a box and taking a a different walk of shame yes perhaps together but um I, I, especially coming after the damien green stuff yes. it's a little bit embarrassing uh, there's no suggestion of course that this was this was retweeted or accidentally viewed on any work computer or any work equipment or that he 
should have been at work at the time or anything like that. I think the only suggestion is that this is a, was a bit silly. Of course, he's been a bit silly with the internet before, Gavin, because in 2013 he complained that a Labour education announcement had appeared alongside an online advert saying, Date Arab Girls. Of course, it emerged that the advert was part of a Google system that places adverts based on the user's preferences. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> a picture is emerging. What's your favourite political scandal? I-, I love a political scandal. The problem is there's so many to pick it from. And, it, and it's when you stop and actually think and try and pick your favourite, it's it's like trying to pick your favourite Haribo. Because there's, <laughs> there's, there's, there's a lot that have a, have a place in your heart in terms of... Yeah, so when I went to pick up the paper every Sunday, I, I, I was a big fan of the news of the world. I, le- I left a pause there no, for, you, for I, you to I, dig yourself out no, of that. No, one. not so. I really was. I think they did a lot of good work. Yeah. But, um, they did what they did. Yeah. And it seemed that every Sunday there was a Tory MP on the front in some kind of compromising position. And it was just brilliant. It was just brilliant. And it was pretty much every Sunday. It was, yeah, it was. And then you would get later in the day, you would get the, um, of course, parodied by um, Little Britain. You would get the Tory MP coming out with with the wife looking sort of upset, but standing by her man, and them sort of saying, "I would like to apologise." Um, while it is true that I was found naked in, in a little <laughs> chef toilet, <laughs> this was a complete accident, yes. and my clothes had been torn off by a, a, a rabid passing by a particularly strong <laughs> hand dryer or something. Yeah, so it was. It is difficult to pick. My favourite one's quite recent, though, I think. And it doesn't involve a Tory MP. It involves a Labour MP. A married Labour MP. Okay. I think I know where you're going with this. Who is also... We didn't know this until the time, but he's also a washing machine salesman. Wow. Of course, this is... We've all got double lives, clearly. (laughs) This is is Keith Vaz, who, who told two gentlemen, shall we say that he was a, when they asked him what he did for a living, instead of saying, I'm an MP and I've been the chairman of the Home Affairs Select Committee for the last decade. Which, to be honest, you should be justly proud of. Absolutely. He said, I am a washing machine salesman. My name's Jim. I like the detail as well. It wasn't just any old washing machine. If you're going to construct a lie, it's all about the detail. He said, they're industrial washing machines, big washing machines, like in big hotels. <laughs> he didn't just—he couldn't just be a washing machine salesman who worked like <laughs> in shoes <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> he had to be the tip of the toppermost washing machine salesman. So if you need your clothes cleaned, Keith Vaz is your on man. an industrial scale. <laughs> on an industrial scale, Keith absolutely. Um, <laughs> there were. There were other elements to that story, but the favourite bit is the is the washing machine. Go on, what's your favourite? I'll, I'll go with two, if I may. The, yeah. the, the the John Major Edwina Curry. Oh, it was such a because it all came out so Much, long after yeah, when it yeah, actually yeah, happened, yeah. and when you look back on what was happening at the time when it was actually actually happening, it, it's it's almost rather sweet. It's sort of the the last of the summer wine of political scandals. And one of you can't our, really imagine it. The well, thing I, I wouldn't really want to imagine it, but well, you can't yeah, I'm really I'm about to tell you a little story. There was, um, uh, of course, if it had to come out at the time, it probably would have brought Major down. Mm, true. Um, but we found out more about it, of course, in Edwina's um, biography, and she said that they were sharing a bath together. As you do. And um, I'm sure discussing political strategy. No, and he, he said to her, 
do you believe in God? Deep. And we've spoke about this on the podcast before, and one of our um, listeners, whose name escapes me, but um, it was absolutely brilliant, um, photoshopped a picture of that up for us. That's and it is on social media. Go and find it. It's brilliant, really brilliant. The thing is, I'd probably go upstairs and search that on a work computer and then probably get my <laughs> collar felt by IT later in the day for searching John Major and Edwina Curry in, in the bath. bath. Yeah, talk chatting religion. Yeah, so I either have to... Explain that to IT here, or if I search for it at home, I'd have to explain it to my wife. Why my internet history would feature a picture of that, which I wouldn't fancy. Or uh, get a get a secret phone. Okay, <laughs> maybe. Is that why you've got two phones on the desk in front of you? Let's let's move on from that. Um, okay, Good I'll, I'll phone, t- naughty phone. Okay, well, you really should work even further into politics. You do very well. Um, story you don't know about John Major. He once told me I'd drawn a very good pirate ship. Is that right? True story. In the bath? No, I was not <laughs> in the bath with John Major drawing pirate ships. Okay, good. I'm glad we cleared that up. He was my uh, local MP when I was at primary school, which wow. gives you an indication of my age. And was it a good age. pirate ship? It was. It was. He was coming round our primary school because it had become the first grant-maintained school in the area. And he toured our class, and I was drawing a pirate ship with red and white sails. He looked over my shoulder and told me it was a very good pirate ship. Yar. Tell us about that other scandal. Wow. The other one, sorry, uh, will be uh, Ron Davies. Purely. Oh, yeah. Because he has two entries into this. That's correct, yes. Uh, hall of shame. Uh, if we think back to 98, uh, that's when he resigned as a cabinet uh, from the cabinet after being robbed by a gentleman he met at Clapham Common, that well known beauty spot. Yeah. And then maybe telling some. Uh, half-truths about the situation. Yes, yes. And then secondly, if we go to 2003, when he had to stand down from the Welsh Assembly following mm. accusations of um, other things, yeah. um, he'd claimed he'd been out uh, badger-watching yes. at the time. That was yes. 2003. That well-known well, political pastime, going out to spot badgers, which are... Do you reckon he quickly... Well, it was, put, it was before before social media, probably. Mm. but or, or, Yeah, it would have been. So these days, he'd have to rush on to his wiki page and put... Badger spotting mm. as his favourite hobby, wouldn't he? True. For me, badgers, they're always uh, smaller than you'd expect. I blame that entirely on Wind and the Willows when I was growing up. Is when that Mr. Right? Badger was huge. They're, they're, they're ferocious things. If I spotted one, I wouldn't be chasing it. True. I'd be running in the direction. Well, that's your excuse. I was being chased by a badger. <laughs> <laughs> I will keep that one well, on my sleeve. <laughs> I was being chased by a badger, and that's when you dropped your naughty phone. <laughs> Shall we move on? <laughs> We're going to crown a Brexiteer of the Week next. Oh, can we? Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back. It's time to crown a Brexiteer of the Week. Are you ready? I am ready, and it's it's a prestigious title. It is. And I'm going to drop a league table of the, the people who've won it the most and try and keep... Uh, actually... A listener should do that, shouldn't they? They should, because that's one less thing for you to do today. Exactly. A league table of the Brexiteers of the Week would be very good, and we could put it out on social. You could call it the Champions League. The Champions League. Brilliant. Well done, Neil. You're welcome. Well, let's you start. Can keep that one. <laughs> let's start this week with John Rhys Evans, who I think has made it onto the list now for about four weeks on the bounce. That's quite he, an achievement. Yeah, and he has been Brexiteer of the Week, and he is a massive chump. Now... We should probably tell you about John Rhys Evans if you're not aware. He he made a claim that a uh, a gay donkey tried to rape his horse, um, <laughs> and and this is a well known story and yep. was roundly laughed at at the time. Well, 
it, more bad luck for the UKIP deserter. It, it, he's launched a new party called Democrats and Veterans, um, and they chose the abbreviation DNV. And anyone who works in the medical <laughs> profession will know diarrhea and vomiting. Yes. Um, but secondly, um, he he's got a donkey as the emblem. <laughs> oh, the irony! <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and the donkey's carrying a flag, so it's quite a cool donkey. Wow. Um, but we've now been told. The donkey, actually, this is uh, founder Trevor Colt said, the donkey, it's not a donkey. He said, the donkey depicts a workhorse. I'm glad that's been cleared up. Yeah, Just yeah. Just like the bad case of DNV. We, we've, we've, cleared, we've cleared that up, indeed. I think that must be the most successful launch of a party since Veritas. Ah, oh, Veritas, they were fun, weren't they? Bring fun? back Veritas. Yeah. Time for a relaunch. Wow. Lord Digby Jones... He's the Brexity businessman. He's got into a bit of a tussle with our very own Yasmin Albaya Brown. Now she dubbed hard case leavers uh, the Brexits, and um, he he responded reasoned, constructive stuff there. Uh, double standards because um, he continually uses the words Ramona on Twitter, which I quite like actually. <laughs> I find that quite funny. Well, it, it, well, as the term Brexit stuck. Because that wasn't an accepted term to start with. That stuck, and Ramona's is sort of yeah, stuck but as we've well. Got, we're thick skin. We can say this, and he should be the same. He he he's always on about this, saying Ramona's must be hating this when he was talking about trade deals with Australia and the US only seven months ago. But obviously, he's got a bit touchy since then. It's probably because Boris's speech has done such a good job of bringing everyone together again. That'll be it, won't it? It will. That will be it. Henry Bolton. Oh, Henry. Oh, Henry. The start of this year has been cheered up so much. By Henry Bolton and Joe Marnie, we've had so much fun with them, and uh, big weekend for the Ukippers, of course. Indeed, we will hear all about that next week, I'm sure. And of course, it was Valentine's Day this week, which I think will class as an open goal for even the most tentative of interviewer. <laughs> yes, quite. Um, so he was asked, or indeed he hinted that he would send Joe Marnie a Valentine's card. Of course, their relationship is looking very likely to signal the end of his leadership as uh, of UKIP and Steve actually penned this little verse that he thought maybe she could he could write in his valentine card to her and this is how it goes roses are red violets are blue i'm honestly not racist and neither are you i think we need that with some nice romantic music yes, behind yes it's it's lovely isn't it it, it is, is beautiful. it is beautiful you've got to respect the sentiment and, you know, if that relationship goes any further and his political career, well, at the very least the leadership of the party, does come to an end, you know, what a, what a great wedding speech that would be. <laughs> oh, my God, can you imagine? Imagine if they have kids. Like the 18th birthday. How, well, when they say, how, tell yeah. us about when Mummy and Daddy met. Oh, well, if we don't have to tell you, you can read all about it. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful story. But the Brexit of the Week this week is Liam Fox. Now, writing in The Sun, the Trade Secretary told the readers that he would point to the facts. The facts. That is a direct quote. To show Britain was booming. He began, and I quote, In 2017, we saw the highest level of foreign direct investment projects into the United Kingdom in our history. A vote of confidence in the future from real investors. Now that sounds wonderful. It does. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, yeah, Should we send good. the podcast here? <laughs> that's the whole thing. Done. That's what Boris's speech was missing. But alas. Oh, there's a twist. 
So those record FDI figures, right, they came in 2016. Not 2017. No, last year's figures, actually, the UK fell by 90%. Ah, so not the best in our history. Not really. (laughs) Not really, otherwise translated as not Not at all. all. Not at all. So, Mr Fox, you are the Brexiteer of the week. Neil, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, At Neil A. Perry. Brilliant. Thanks very much. I'm sure we'll speak to you again before too long. Indeed, and next time you can't find anyone else, (laughs) you know where to find me and you you sweet talk you. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858... 438840 and quoting podcast one, or order online at our website www.neweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry, fight Brexit, subscribe to the New European. We asked you, the listener, you, the listener, what you'll be doing on March 29th, 2019, yeah. at 11 pm. At 11 pm. Because it's European time. It's Brexit time. Yeah, Brexit time. But we're doing it at 11 and not 12. I love that. We've already lost on that negotiation. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we asked you what you were planning to do. Um, you've got some from Twitter there. Mine are from Twitter. Sorry, you've not. I haven't. You've got some from Facebook there. I've got some from Facebook here. Great. So Ollie Hardacre is going to be hanging an EU flag from his house where it will remain. Oh, remain yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Guy Stimpson, I shall enter the new EU-less UK the same way I expect to eventually leave it, roaring drunk with middle fingers raised towards Westminster. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Crosby says, by sitting on the toilet, and they're always about poo. They are. These are always about poo. By sitting on the toilet, having a monumental dump, as I mark my respect for the Tory party that brought us Brexit. That's a lovely image, Nicholas. Thank, Thank you, you so much for that. Rebecca Vare, by waiting for my flight at Heathrow. John Bennett, by playing the Ode to Joy as loudly as possible. Do not go gently. Yeah. He could play Alistair's bagpipe version. He could. Geordie Barton, by being in Sweden and hopefully looking forward to getting full Swedish citizenship. <laughs> Paul Lloyd Johnson, by Brexiting to somewhere with sanity. Please still listen to the pod. There's a there's a pattern emerging in these because Isabel on Twitter has said uh, by kissing my Irish passport. Pippa Wheeler has said by drinking tea and stroking my German passport. <laughs> stroking a passport, that's good. Uh, Mark Limon, uh, Limon has said <laughs> by cursing David Cameron, which I think we'll all be doing. Uh, I Love Autumn holds out a bit of hope. He, he says, uh, or she says, it'll never happen after everyone's seen the impact reports. Well, we'll uh, see. We'll, we'll see. Uh, Pafster says, by hiring an open-top bus covered in lies. Uh, Major W London says, or Maya, says three minutes silence with an amen at the end. Uh, PLC 48 says uh, they won't care because they'll be on the golf course in Sydney. Uh, thank you, thinking, thank God I decided to emigrate. And uh, finally, uh, this was the one that I like best, Mark Kieran UK. At Mark Kieran UK on Twitter, thank you for this. Mark said, I will be sitting at home with my family, scotch in hand, saying, you know what, this is the exact moment that Brexit was supposed to happen. Thank you. <laughs>
We eventually got them all to see <laughs> Mark, what? it's a beautiful thought. What should the listeners do now? They should, um, well, don't follow that bloke's advice and go and have a monumental dump and think about Brexit. No. I would much rather you gave us a beautiful five-star review on iTunes. Yep. Uh, you can a lovely uh, you can write some beautiful words about how much you enjoy this podcast. Uh, I'm told that really does matter and it will help us raise us even further up the podcast chart, so thank you for that. You can do the same on Audio Boom. Uh, if you are a non-iTunes uh, listener, give us a nice review there. It's really helpful. Please tell your friends about the New European Podcast. Uh, remember to share us on social media. And follow us on social media. We're at the New European. We've also got a new Facebook group for New European readers where you can, it, it's much, uh, it, it's, you can post up a lot more uh, things and be seen and talk to New European readers much, uh, much um, e- more easily than you can uh, on our normal Facebook page. So that is, uh, that's really good. You can follow me at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. Or me, or both, at Porrit, P-O-R-R-I-T-T, at the New European is also worth following. Also, if you're listening to the podcast on an iPhone that you haven't yet updated, do us a favour and update it. Oh, yes. (laughs) That would be really really good. That would be really good. That would be really good for our stats too. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, Steve and Jerry will be back, and we've sent Jerry off to the Costa del Brexit, so she can tell us all about that. If you haven't already... By the paper. It's full of very good stuff. There's lots of politics, there's lots of Brexit, but there's also lots of art, culture, fashion, sport, you name it. It's £2.50, it's on sale now. Until next week, Mr Campbell plays out.